Welcome to the Remarkable Relationship Show with Mercy Russell, where we find the wonder in your story. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 35 years of experience applying the science of relationship systems to my practice of psychotherapy and leadership consulting. My intuitive skills allow me to bring clarity and vision to your challenges. I hope you will be surprised in the next hour. Good morning. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. My goal is to bring a fresh perspective to you on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. In my 40 years of working as a psychotherapist, I have been continually amazed at the ways in which people overcome challenges. I hope to share my experience, insights, and to stimulate your thinking. So this morning, I will be answering a listener's question about a troubling friendship. Friendships are an important part of our social network. They give us some space from the close bonds of family. Sometimes they are embedded in our families and help us get along with each other. And then for others, their friendship network becomes their family of choice. Along with this, friendships can be as difficult to manage as relationships in the family. So I'm going to be talking about how the dynamics born out of the family play out in our friendships, when and how to talk about difficult subjects, and how to decide when to let a friendship go. So here's my listener's question about friendship. I have a friend. We met through work and have been friends for 20 years. I've been noticing lately and also recalling many conversations that she, that she makes somewhat disparaging remarks. For example, that's the gym you go to? I passed by it and thought to myself, I'd never join a gym like that. You're buying a new door? I hope you're not going to buy one that looks cheap. By the way, that rug you have in your foyer is all wrong. I haven't talked to her about it because these remarks stunned me in the moment and I don't know how to respond. Is this a friendship I, could, I should continue? So there's a quick, easy answer. And then there's what I call a systems answer. So as you can imagine, the systems answer is not quick and easy. So I'll start with a quick and easy one. Dear listener, the easy answer is, who needs enemies with friends like that? You have accommodated to these critical impulses from your friend for 20 years. The fact that you now see and remember this dynamic as a pattern indicates that there's something about you that has changed. Perhaps this friendship no longer serves you and it's time to bow out. However, sometimes a friendship is valuable for other reasons and it can be worth your time and emotional energy to address this dynamic. Fundamentally, if you choose to do this, you will be changing your behavior in the relationship and your friend and anyone else in the relationship network you share with her will shift and change. However she responds will tell you more about whether you want to continue in the relationship or not. So, before outlining some ideas about how to approach the dynamic in the friendship, I'm going to talk about friendships in the context of our relationship systems. The basic idea here is that our emotional lives are formed, mature, and are always part of the multi-generational family system. It's true. For you, that means your family of origin, as well as your nuclear family. 
Now, the family of origin is your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and great-grandparents, and on up the line. The nuclear family is your family from your household, your husband, your children, your grandchildren. Now, your extended family includes in-laws, step-families, ex-spouses and their family and their families and as we know there's such great variety from one family to the other about uh, this cast of characters and how they relate to each other to some degree deceased or divorced family members continue to represent part of the emotional process that you swim in so they can be they can be important too and certainly deceased um parents, grandparents, important people really can live on in the family and in the emotional patterns. However you choose to be in contact or involved with members of your family of origin or your nuclear family, whether you're in touch with them or not, your emotional life is affected by this network. Humans rely on deep cooperative relationships outside their kinship network. So this is where friendships come in. A kinship network is the people you're biologically related to. But people rely on their deep relationships outside of their biological unit. In fact, this is what distinguished Homo sapiens from Neanderthals, that Neanderthals lived in small biologically family groups, whereas Homo sapiens banded together and developed cooperative relationships. So instead of living in a group of seven or eight people, they lived in groups of 80 people. And this is what contributed greatly to their, to their um, dominance actually over Neanderthals and their survival. So humans will give up their lives to save the life of someone who is not biologically related to them. The, these non-kin can be known to them or strangers. So this is considered altruism in biological terms. Um, and it's also observed in other social species. So other, um, uh, other species that, are so, that live in social groups have this, this, have this behavior too. So the underlying evolutionary logic is that this impulse will ultimately favor the survival of one's own offspring. That's always the bottom line, right? That what we're really motivated by is the, that our children, that, our, that, our, our, that we reproduce and that our children reproduce. That's biology, right? It's not across species. So that's the logic. And biologists go to great lengths to prove this, that the altruistic behaviors actually favor the, the um, reproduction of the person who's, or who's continuing it with very complicated DNA test equations. It's really, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, a topic of great interest to biologists. All to say, uh, friendships matter. So we're today we're going to be talk about these friends who are not biologically related to us and how these friendships function in our emotional lives. Ah, so now what am I talking about when I speak of emotional life? This is different than what we commonly understand. Here I'm talking more about instinctual or often unconscious patterns of reactivity than conscious thoughts of, or feelings. So this term emotional life can extend and be, be used and observed and compared with other species who don't have language and whose conscious, consciousness we don't know, right? So this emotional life is sort of how we automatically move in the world, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, and so that's our emotional life. Now, in this relationship structure that is, you know, that, that is in the multi-generational family that we're born into, um, 
you know, some people say that by that it's always by choice on the soul level, but uh, whether, you know, obviously we don't consciously choose what family we're born into, but this family that we're born into, because we're biologically and physically and genetically related to them, this is the fundamental relationship structure. And what I'm talking about is how emotional patterns within that network have a very fundamental influence on who we are and how we grow and mature in the world. Now, the fundamental um, unit in this relationship structure, the fundamental structure is one of interlocking triangles and the basic unit in this network is the triangle. Now, this also goes against sort of our common way of thinking that the basic human relationship is a two-person system. Um, so as I continue here, what I'm really, I think of what I'm talking about is sort of the physics of emotion, remember instinctual reactivity of the relationship triangle. So that this is, uh, I would say, I would, posit or propose that this is universal it can be seen in any relationship system and in any family and that there are certain laws so to speak um i know this is debatable in the world of <laughs> of uh post you know postmodern structuralist thinking or that that we um that there could be universals like this but this is the way um people who like to think about science think so just, let's just take it as a proposition from me. Now, most people think of the dyad or the two-person relationship as the basic relationship unit. However, the two-person relationship is like a two-legged stool. It's fundamentally unstable. The two basic, and here's how it's unstable and why it's unstable. The two basic drives in each individual are togetherness and individuality. These are contradictory drives. As social creatures, we need and want to feel close at one and united with the other. At the same time, as individuals, we want to express our uniqueness and we have a built-in drive to be independent and self-motivated. Now you can see this principle at work in nature, in a grove of aspen trees. Just take this as a metaphor or an analogy connected, although I think it's actually the same process, but it, I think it serves to give an eye, a picture of how this works. Connected through a common root system, the Aspen Grove could be thought of as an emotional system and as one organism. The trees communicate, exchange nutrients and protect each other through this system. So at the, at the same time, each tree is unique and reaches for the sun individually, and no two trees look alike. Now, back to the triangle, how does this come about? Well, there's an inherent push and pull between any two individuals. While the togetherness feels comfortable for a while, eventually the individuality drive will result in a conflict however subtle. The, the, I think the, the favorite example I have is a, court, a couple who courts, right? And in the beginning, it's just the two of them. And they're, uh, the, they go, they, the one person always gets the same flavor of ice cream as the other person while they're courting and in this very cozy twosome. And then as the relationship progresses, um, and becomes more stable, it turns out that one person really does not like pistachio ice cream and really prefers chocolate ice cream. And this is where the individuality comes out. So once the, the social connection is stable, then there can be this individuality and this can result, as you can imagine, and may have experienced in conflict in these very close relationships. Um, so now this is where the third leg of the stool comes in. Eventually, one member of the dyad will reach out to a third individual to get some space from the dyad. On a subtle level, 
this reaching out could simply be the exchange of a look. On a grosser level, it could be a marital affair. Um, more ordinarily, it will be me talking to one sister about the other. So um, I'm just going to share my screen here and you have to forgive me because this is the first time I'm doing this. And um, yeah, and I wanna, I wanna share this diagram just so I think it might be useful. Oops, let me see, Benny, how am I gonna do that? There we go. Here we go. Oops. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to share. Okay, so I find it useful to use these diagrams. And in my world of, you know, systems thinkers, we use diagrams a lot because we're talking about, you know, dynamics and fairly complex groups of people. So this is the, in, the inherently unstable dyad. Um, the, the tension between the need for individuality in the bond of the pair leads to conflict. So this is just a sort of a diagram of how that takes place. Um, and this is for the YouTube video, you know, I'm sorry, I apologize for the people who are listening to this on a podcast, but what I have is a circle and a square and between them is a kind of a red line with a kind of a little explosion showing that, that there, there's a connection, but then there's conflict in it. Um, so what happens in this when the third person comes in? I'm gonna share again. Um, you'll have to forgive me again. Here we go. Oops, not the one I want. <laughs> okay, I'll get this. Okay, so here we are with the triangle when the third person comes in. So we have two on the inside position, you know, one and two at the bottom. And, um, I have them numbered. Uh, a two is sort of the red one. And one, because of this tension, reaches out to number three. And those double lines basically show that they're getting along. The, there's still the tension between one and two. And two, and that third person is not really in contact with the second person, but is more sort of on the side of the first person. So I think we're about at a time for a break. Is that correct? So we're gonna take a break right now. And I've just shown you the sort of basic classic triangling that, we, that the world of psychotherapy talks about a lot. It's kind of what we all know and often either seek or suffer. So this is Mercy Russell with a Remarkable Relationship Show. Today I'm talking about friendship and a systems view of how to resolve, how to, uh, how to address conflict in relationships. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path. As host of your very own program, dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Hi, tune in to my new show, The Remarkable Relationship Show, with me, Mercy Russell. I bring a fresh perspective on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m., and you can visit my website at leadershipwithmercy.com. 
It's a challenge to convince a sick and frightened child that they needn't be afraid of the hospital. But it starts here at Encourage Kids. For over 30 years, we've been focused on making all of our pediatric partner hospitals a better place to get better. Encourage Kids provides the resources and the funding to bring relief directly to hospitalized kids through uplifting activities and positive therapies, resulting in smiles, magic, laughter, and hope. To learn more, visit encourage-kids.org. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hello, this is Mercy Russell with The Remarkable Relationship Show. And today I'm talking about friendship um, from a listener's question about a friend who had been sort of saying critical things of her over the course of their 20-year relationship. And she's just noticing it and wondering if she should stay in the, if she should keep the friendship. So in, um, so what I'm talking about right now is kind of a, what I would call a systems view of friendship, taking a big step back and saying, how do friendships function in our lives? So what I've just been talking about is the triangle. And I think people have heard about this, the triangling that when two people are in a conflict, one person will often pull another person in. And we see this in many, many different dynamics um, in a family. And it could be a marital affair. And it also could be me talking to one sister about the other. So this was, uh, I think, a more ordinary way in which we um, use triangles to manage our discomfort with people we're close to. <clears throat> so what's the effect when I talk to, when I'm in conflict with one sister and I, who I'm close to, and I go to talk to the other one. So there are the two together and we're in an inside position with the sister who's in an outside position. And so we're the two close ones and the third one's always sort of in that, a little bit on the outside and often sort of can feel the pressure of that. So I, I have a fight with my favorite sister so I go to complain to another sister. Now, the third sister was the outsider, but I've now joined with her and I'm leaving the favorite sister in an outside position. So being pushed to this outside position from a cozy twosome can feel life-threatening. And I'm not joking. <laughs> there are times when two people will gang up on another and the other really feels like something really awful has happened. Generally, however, I will go back to the favorite sister because I can't tolerate the separation for too long. Then the third sister is now back in the outside position. So this is, I, this is a, a, just a common way that these triangles play out in our families. For, this thir for, the, for the third sister, this can be a big disappointment, even, if she, even as she continues to get caught in the middle repeatedly over a lifetime. This can happen over and over again. In popular psychology, this dynamic is often referred to as triangling and treated as a wrong and a bad behavior. In fact, it is instinctual and natural, and ultimately, it's not personal, right? It has nothing to do with the character or the value of any of those three people, especially the third person. Understanding this has been useful to me when I have been targeted during a conflict between two other people. When I'm the outsider and somebody confides in me, <clears throat> but then when, the other two, when there's a fight between the other two, that person lashes out at me. I can see the part I played in being, getting in, getting in the middle of that conflict by taking somebody's side, and I can get out of the way to let the other two resolve their differences between the two of them. I, I, at this point, I wanna be in the outside position without taking blame for the conflict. Sometimes the outside position is the calmer place to be. So a child, a mother is engaged. So here's the, the classic example really is classic meaning in the world of family therapists who you know, talk about families. Um, a mother is engaged with her children. She's close to them. She's sensitive to their needs and emotions. And 
she's the primary caretaker, but eventually she's going to have some conflict with them. She's in an inside position with her children. Now, father, this is like classic, you know, uh, um, <laughs> uh, leave it to beaver family, right? Father stays in a comfortable outside position, trading the closeness for the peace of being out of a conflict. Now, this all, you know, we could talk about, be talking about two mothers, we could be talking about, you know, any nuclear family structure. This dynamic will play out regardless of the, you know, gender or the traditional roles. Occasionally, so the father stays outside in the outside position and he's, he's, he gives up the closeness that the mother shares with her children just for the peace of being out of the line of fire. Occasionally, the mother pulls him in to discipline, to discipline the children. And then he retreats to his outside position and the mothers can sweep in as the good guy, right? So this can take many different forms, but the idea is sort of the somewhat distant father who actually, you know, actually does not dislike this outside position. So this is sort of a classic example. And to excuse my PowerPoint view here, but that's what you're gonna get. So here's the, here's the, here's sort of a diagram or a visual for that. So I think it helps. You have the two on the inside. Um, and the, um, so one and two are the primary dyad. Um, one gets all close with number three with the child. So the mother with the child, for example, father stays calmly on the outside and is somewhat distant from everybody. So this third person provides a closeness for one of the one members of the dyad. The other one is actually quite comfortable in that, in that outside position. So and two who are in in conflict are in contact with a third person who stays neutral and who doesn't take sides and who is in contact with both parties not distant from one or the other and and is is able to um to be in touch with both of them now the third this third person can be a stabilizing and calming third leg essentially to the stool right essentially the third person does not try to get into a close relationship with either of the other two this neutral third party is comfortable with being an outsider without retreating or distancing from the pair or from either individual now just to say this is what a good marital therapist does is they stay neutral they don't take sides but simply by being calm and a little bit on the outside they can help calm down the tension between the two. And in marital therapy, then the two can, can do the work that they're there to do more calmly without being as riled up as, it, as when they are when they're home together in the kitchen, right? So this is a, a kind of a classic example of the calm third person, ideally how it would, how it would work. So in a family now, we have these triangles and the different ways that they work, but they build one on top of the other to form interlocking triangles. Uh, so for the family gathering, you can see these triangles are always on the move in a family through facial expressions, nonverbal gestures, tone of voice, or small shifts in eye gaze, right? So this can take place at all kinds of subtle nonverbal levels. At my family's table, which is more boisterous with discussion and arguments and agreements and over-talking and some people retreating to the kitchen sink, that's, that could be another way that this rapid movement of inside and outside positions in the triangle takes place um, in, in a family gathering. <clears throat> so I'm just going to share another little diagram of that. So there we go. So what you see here is a, a multiple, this is again for our YouTube videos. And what I have is I have diagram of 
um, uh, two people with two children and their parents with their brothers and sisters and all the different triangles that exist among all those people. And some of them have tension in them, some of them are close, but they build one on top of the other and they fundamentally balance each other out. So that's the interlocking triangles. So, okay, <laughs> now I've given you my lecture about triangles and the interlocking triangles, the very fundamental unit and dynamic in families and quite frankly, in all relationship systems. So what about friends? What happens with where do friends fit into this? And how does this relate to your relationship with your friends? So friends fundamentally become adjunct members of the family emotional system. They offer a relationship outside the family drama often to comfort, stabilize, and support the individual. I go, you know, I go off to talk to my friend about my, you know, problems with my sisters, right? And she calms me down and I don't have to complain to any of the sisters and I kind of get out of the mess for a while. And that friend is, doesn't get, often doesn't get in the mix. I'll tell you a different story, but it, that they can happen that friends become part of the mix. Sometimes they become involved in a lively friendship network. Um, so, I, so as an individual, I could become very involved in my friend group, which provides distance from the family emotional system. So one child out of, you know, of a, a family becomes very involved with her friends, is the group leader, is her whole life is organized around teams and taking kids in the neighborhood out on trips. Her life is outside the house, right? Very rich family. And in the house, she's sort of very quiet and not noticed. Then friends can also become part of the family dynamic, right? So a girlfriend tells your secret to your mother in a rush of feeling accepted and close to the mother. I have a story about that. So here's my story, how the friends can become in, in, enmeshed in the family. And the reason that I'm talking about this is when you're considering a 20 year friendship, these, your friend's relationship or involvement in your other important relationships will have an impact on how, what you decide to do about that friendship. Um, and I'll talk about that near the end, an example of that. So it's easy to say, just walk away. But what we have to look at is what role does that friend play in your life? Um, so here's my story about the friend who gets, you know, kind of involved with the family dynamic. So Sally decides to stop drinking alcohol. Her best friend doesn't drink and they go to AA together. Now, Sally hadn't told her mother yet. Um, and she, she told her sister, but asked her sister not to tell her mother um, because she wanted to tell her herself. But her sister went ahead and told her mother. So the sister and the mother are in a little togetherness because the sister tells the mother Sally's secret and Sally's on the outside. Um, Sally doesn't know this yet. So there's a significant family gathering. The best friend is invited. She meets Sally's mother at the hotel and they have lunch together. Her mother tells the friend that Sally is not an alcoholic. The friend, now the mother, the, of course, Sally never told the friend that she told her mother, right? And, her, and Sally knows that her mother would have some opinion about this. The friend then tells the mother how much Sally likes AA. Now, Sally's not here. She's somewhere else. <laughs> and then the friend, when Sally comes back, happily tells Sally about the conversation, feeling very good about having explained Sally to her mother. Now, the friend entered a little togetherness pod with the mother talking about Sally behind her back and telling her secrets. The friend believes she is helping. So not to say she's trying to do something mean, but this is it can, this could all happen. Well, you know, what does Sally feel? She's a, she's a little, she's kind of annoyed, right? <laughs> she's like really annoyed. 
because she um the, the everybody's talking about her behind her back and that they're not she doesn't care really so much what they're saying but the fact that that they feel like they that they're leaving her out and that they're telling her you know that they're having conversations she wanted to have but knowing something about triangles she recognizes that she has been put in the outside position with her mother her sister and her best friend that they're in a little togetherness about it right now normally she would complain about her mother and her sister to the best friend however and her impulse could be it would be normal to take her mother her friend and her sister to task for betraying her confidence and then to go to her mother to explain why she really is an alcoholic in effect this would still leave her stuck and unhappy in the outside position it would not change things at all they would still all have their little secret together <clears throat> just feeling chastised or scolded by sally um, instead what she did thinking knowing about triangles is she chose to tell herself let them figure out my life for me and i look forward to hearing their conclusions in other words okay let them be busy talking about me um it doesn't really hurt me and hey maybe they might come up with some good ideas um in essence, she chose the outside position, knowing that her bonds with each of them were not threatened by this natural dance of triangles. So she knew she was at close bonds. She knew this, nothing was going to be, no one was going to um, divorce anybody else, and that she could just stay calm and out of it and let them have their little togetherness. Um, now there are times when a friend can come in and calm things down when things are tense in the in the it could be a very different way um but this is an example of how a friend becomes part of the family system volunteering so to speak so what about my listener and her friend um I'm thinking that we're getting close to time for another break. Is that right? Why don't we take a break? And then in the last segment, we'll I'll dive into the question with this background. This is Mercy Russell, Remarkable Relationship Show. Today, I'm talking about a listener's question about a friendship problem with a, with a, a friend of 20 years. See you after the break. My husband, Alex Hesse, was hit by an IED in Afghanistan. I was playing man in foot patrol and I stopped on the bomb. Lost my legs and my left hand in an explosion. DAV helps veterans of every generation to get the benefits they've earned. To see Alex learning to snow ski, that's life-changing. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. This has meant so much. Thank you, DAV. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Hi, tune in to my new show, The Remarkable Relationship Show, with me, Mercy Russell. I bring a fresh perspective on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m., and you can visit my website at leadershipwithmercy.com. Alternative Talk 1150 is your sports organization's safe bet when it comes to airing your team's games. Our players are all seasoned professionals when it comes to sports programming. Imagine your games being heard on local radio. Your team deserves the MVP treatment. Call 425-653-1150 today to learn how affordable and fun it is to broadcast your games on the radio. Call 425-653-1150 and make your next season something special. That's 425-653-1150. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Hello, this is Mercy Russell with a Remarkable Relationship Show. Um, today, I'm answering a listener's question about a 20-year friendship and the pattern that she's noticed of her friend making critical comments. The question is, should I, should I keep this friendship? So I've just been talking about um, sort of the quick and easy answer was, well, let her go. You know, who needs friends like that? 
versus how do friends who are friends in our emotional system and in our relationship networks. And then to do that, I talked about something I really wanted to talk about too, which is how the basic unit of relationships is the triangle, um, which is a three person unit. And that the, our relationship systems that we were born into and that we live in are a big system of interlocking triangles, that there are dynamics with fundamentally, uh, ideally two people on the two, three, I'd like a three-legged stool where everybody's in good contact with each other. It keeps it very stable. People are neutral, don't take sides. You know, the fun comes or the excitement comes when two people take sides, the third person's on the outside position. Um, and you can actually have fun doing that purposely. So there's a lot that goes on with triangles. Now I'm back to my, my listener's question. My first question for her is how important is the friendship? Is this a casual social relationship? Just a friendship from work with someone you have, you know, lunch with once a month? Um, the fundamental question is, is this relationship valuable enough for you to invest your time and energy to address your friend's habit of criticizing your choices? So, um, and are the two of you part of an important friendship work or family network, right? Uh, or is just this kind of relationship distant off to the side, right? Certainly in work systems, friendships like this can be part of a, a work system that can be as, uh, let's see, involved and exciting, <laughs> problematic as a family, right? So the, the other question is, will a change in your friendship impact other relationships? So I'm going to give another example or a story from my life um and this would be about somebody who is I have had friends who I worked with who I'll start with that I had two friends who I worked with we went to graduate school together we then had jobs after graduate school at the same place we went on vacation together we you know did some fun things together and eventually with different circumstances that one of them got me to say some things that were negative about the other and then the two of them ganged up on me and attacked me and accused me of horrible things you know so <laughs> in a friendship you know horrible friendship thing so eventually those friendships I just distanced from there wasn't I didn't um it didn't affect my work uh, we could still do the work we needed to do. We didn't have to rely on each other and we could walk around each other, right? Another example I have is a friend who was my best friend from childhood. And we're the closest of a large network of childhood friends that we're still in touch with many years later. Her family is like my second family and I'm welcomed at any family event. Same for her with my family. We've, it, we have individual relationships with each other's siblings um, and we've kind of lived in different places and um, hosted different members of each family, of the other's families for periods of time, um, their spouses and their children. And we were also at this time in a professional practice with other mutual friends. Not only that, so at age 44, she marries my father's business partner. And we are working in the same facility with my father and his two business partners. She marries one of the business partners. So we're in this very, you know, close uh, kind of work life family. And we're living in a town of about 10,000 where we've lived most of where we grew up. She's very, she's married my father's business partner and she's very excited about her new life. She and I are in a business together. We're having lunch together almost every day, doing the things we kind of always normally did as friends. I'm happy for her, but I spend most of our time together complaining about my life as a single, as a single mother, being single, and then kind of all my 
you know, I actually wasn't complaining about being a mother, but just the whole fact of kind of being on my own and being single. She begins to avoid me. So am I worth the energy to her to point out my poor friendship behavior? Will it make a difference? And what will change? Now, if you decide to take the risk of pointing out your friend's negative comments, you could hurt her feelings. She could deny or become defensive, and she could share her grievances in the friendship with you, tell you what you're not, you know, how you've not been a good friend. She could also be grateful that you brought this to her attention because she values your friendship. Um, so this is why it's difficult to make this confrontation because we really, you know, don't always know how the other person's going to react or respond and what will happen as a result of us calling out um, a behavior that we really, that is disturbing to us and makes us not want to be around that friend. So what happens? If you get through the confrontation, then does the behavior change? So that's the next question. Now, what happened with my friend and me? She took me aside and she sat me down and she told me that it was hard for her to include me in things and to be around me and to spend time with me because she was so happy and I was so complaining all the time. Um, now, fortunately, I recognized immediately the truth of what my friend told me. Um, I resolved to be more independent and not lean on her friendship as much. So this was how I shifted. I realized I can't do this. I've been really just kind of glomming on to her the way I had since that we have done with each other since fourth grade. Um, so I then hired her sister-in-law to plan my 40th birthday party. So I decided I would, my 40th birthday come, normally my friend would have been the one to organize it, but I decided I was gonna take charge of this on my own. Curiously, she was upset because she also assumed she would plan my party. So this is how things can happen, right? She doesn't want me to, be so complaining, but I knew that that meant I was leaning on her. So then I stopped, I had to withdraw and not lean on her so much. And then that was, that was sort of jarring to her, you know, because it also changed things from her end. So I did give her and her husband the task of, of selecting and arranging the music for the party so that she sort of had a participation. And, um, you know, then our life just, kind of continued and we can have continued to be good friends. And I'm sure in many respects that that confrontation and my action made our friendship stronger, right? It made it easier for her to trust that she could point out these things. Now to have just, for her to have just not been my friend anymore in a way is almost unthinkable because of how intertwined our lives are, right? It could have been done but fortunately, that's not what happened. So if you talk to your friend and her behavior doesn't change, then you have a choice. You can start to ignore her comments and accept her critical nature, or you can let her go. Now, in a family system, um, it may be common for people to make critical comments to each other. And we somehow dance around it. Do you want to do this with your friend? If you're part of a friend and family network, you can use other relationships to distance yourself from the one-to-one -one interactions. That too will shift the friendship. Now, the beauty and play of friendships is that they can be less intense than family relationships. So they kind of give you a break. You can choose your friends. If you exercise your choice of friends, now this is another thing, is that uh, over the course of time, I, for example, learned how to choose my friends better and that I didn't have to be, didn't have to stay in friendships 
that didn't that then became stale and really not or unkind right it's basically generally easier to walk away from friends not this friend i was talking about but with many friends you can just kind of not be available right and that it's easier to do that than with families and that's in a sense part of the beauty of friendship the 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 trick when you make this decision especially if you have these other relationships is to look for the hidden triangles in your in your friendships um what uh, what other relationships how are you how is this friendship functioning in your other relationship systems do you have a group of friends from work and you kind of go back and forth to your other friends talking about each other. And that just kind of keeps it all stable, but doesn't necessarily um, bring you any closer. Um, or, or another possibility, for example, is have you chosen the together of the, the togetherness of this friendship instead of dealing more directly with a more important relationship in your life? Now, this is when the friendship is an appendage to the nuclear family or the you know, family of origin. Could, and this you can sometimes see, I mean, for example, a marital affair could be that, but it could also happen with a friendship between a wife and her friend that she distances herself from her husband and leans into the closeness and the fun and, and the friendship. So sometimes the friendship is an avoidance of a growing distance in a marriage or a conflict with a parent or a sibling, right? If I'm having a conflict with my sister, maybe I just lean on the friend, right? So maybe that sister is part of the triangle. It's a hidden, a hidden triangle. And I need to be aware of how I'm using the friendship, which is really not what you want fundamentally in a relationship sometimes the friendship can stabilize a marriage so i my togetherness with my friend allows my husband and me to maintain emotional distance in our marriage that keeps us stable so in my view there's a you know a certain amount of emotional distance in a marriage and it's not you know it's not always possible or easy to sort of re remove it all it just is part of human nature. It's part of who we are. It's part of continuing to be an individual. So sometimes the friendship allows you to stay in a calm, peaceful relationship with your husband in a marriage that you value and that has great benefit to you. Now, what if the marriage is changing, right? Does this change the need for the friendship? So if that comfortable, um, you know, a somewhat emotionally distant relationship with the husband changes. Children, you grow up and go away, you're left alone. Um, you really actually don't want to be in the marriage anymore. Maybe this friendship is not as valuable to you. Just like that, it runs pretty quickly. How about a part two on this, you think? Well, I have a little bit more to say, okay. but not a lot. Fortunately, we have to wrap things up, though. Oh, I totally missed it. That's I don't okay. Know no big that. deal. Okay. Well, there we go. It's okay. <laughs> it's all a learning curve, yep. and I'm fine with it. So thanks a lot, Benny. <laughs> yeah, I could do a follow-up next time, I suppose, too. <laughs>